On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Right now, on. Logan Murdoch, Raja Bell. We're gonna just talk about Bridgerton really quickly because I was I'm I'm locked into Bridgerton right now. I was watching it last night and I finally got to the scene with a Duke and Princess Daphne. Is that yeah, is that yeah, Princess Daphne, Daphne Bridgerton? Right? Yeah. Mm, so I get to the point where they're they're married and they're in the inn um on the way to their to the Duke's crib and they're having they're having the they're having the scene where they're having separate rooms and then he goes into her room and she's not even feeling him and then he goes into um she's like why don't you love me and he's like i love you and then you know they go into it even more and he goes well, i burn for you right yeah top 5 scene i've ever seen in my life right no oh, oh. top 5 scene i've ever seen you in my life dog so you're just you're just going to do that I'm, you're going to be I'm that just, guy I'm just, I, listen i'm just in the moan right now where i've watched this clip like 87 times over the last 12 hours bro it I'm was not very front. I was very intense. I I watched it when it happened when I was into the show. I watched that particular scene four or five times on a loop just to, you know, just to recapture it. It was a dope ass scene. But I wasn't expecting it to be of all time, dog. I can't go on that limb. I readily acknowledge that I'm in the moment right now and I've still, I I haven't recovered from that moment, bro. Just, Hmm. I, I can't decide which I burn for you is better. The one where the initial one, when the Duke is like, I burn for you. Or at the end, when Daphne's like, I burn for you. And I'm not sure which one <laughs> is the better I burn for you, bro. I don't know. It was, it was, um, it was a phenomenal, it was a phenomenal scene. I, I, why y'all couldn't just talk that out? Like, and 
why we had to get all the way to that. I mean, I guess that's what makes a show. That's why we had to get all the way to that. that, Right. That's why I had to get to that. Let me ask you a question right now because you haven't finished um, the season. Who right now for Logan Murdoch, like as you're trying to like uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes, this is Lady Whistledown. Who is Lady? Just make a guess. You don't have to be right. Yeah, I'm curious. Where are you at right now? Uh, I'm trying to figure out who I'm trying to say. You know who I think it is? I think it's what the head, like, mistress, I don't know if she's a mistress lady, but the head lady who's trying to get all her daughters uh, married and then took in the black chick who is Featherington? Lady Featherington? Featherington. Lady Featherington, bro. I think she's the one behind the whole operation, bro. I love this show because it's so, it's so messy. It is so messy, bro. That is a Logan term, but I am taking it. It is a messy ass show. And you know who's the (laughs) boss of bosses and I guess her title in the show verifies this the queen is a g a g bro a g she's been a g from the start remember when at the first scene where she is when they first see her and she's having she's having queens other she's having women faint at her at the sight of her bro and then (laughs) and then daphne came up like a g and was like yeah i'm the baddest you know what i mean i'm the baddest and then and then the duke had her messed up dude it was just oh so great I will have an update for everybody when I finish in, a, in about a week or so. Cause, and I have, and I was watching also another thing. I'm so excited right now. I just, I, I'm just like pumped up. But I can't decide which is a better show right now for me at least: Snowfall or Bridgerton. Right? It's not now. even. It's not even a question. I, I am. I, I just mind you. I'm just coming off the heels of the I burn my, for you for burn for you scene. That's why I'm really just charged up right now. Fair. Snowfall is a snowfall is an all time classic for me snowfall's yeah. already there i mean you're what what season are we in is it three four 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 season four. four season four um i mean it's a classic franklin saying is a is a is a he's a he is whatever is better than a g that's what he is yo we just got out did you watch the last episode from last did night I? yet okay um before we get to the shits when it, is leon gonna die and when is he gonna die if he's is he gonna die in yeah, is good, he gonna die? It's a good question. I don't think Leon can. I don't think Leon could die at the hand of Franklin Saint. I think Leon probably has to go, but I don't think Leon can die at the hand of Franklin Saint, and he can't play a part in that. Mm, yeah, can you dig okay. it? Now that might there might be it. some there might be some some back channel. Um, what's the boy who runs the what's the CIA? What's Mad his name Bo- again? Oh no, I don't know why. Do I do it? I don't know. I'm not sure. Man, boy, could kick rocks. The CIA dude might have to go behind Franklin's back and, the, and, and get rid of the problem because ultimately it affects him too, right? That's his business. But I don't think yes. Franklin Saint can do it. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, also a great show. I think last night's episode was probably the best show in Snowfall, right? That was a really, really, really good show, man. I was at the edge of my seat. The walls are closing in right now. The they're going to deal, they're gonna have to deal with man, boy. That's all I know. They're going to have to put him to bed, baby. They're gonna have to. <laughs> they're gonna have to put him to sleep. He can't be out there talking <laughs> reckless. They'll put that boy to sleep. What's my man's name? The dude that plays Stacy, the OG light skinned dude. That's my guy, bro. What's his yeah. name? Scully. Scully's Scully. the man. Yeah. Scully's Scully is the man. Scully's <laughs> Scully ah. straight from getting a tattoo on his shoulder just threw the shirt on over it. I'm out. I'm out. I got like this. a G. I, I'm yeah. good. I'm good. And then came with the shoddy like, oh, and the, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's all right. get to the shit. We get to the shits. Come on, we get to the shits. Now I know you guys are knowing that um, Mikael Bridges from the Phoenix Suns, Roger Bell's, um, you know, team, uh, had came in to interview with me um, while Roger was over here conquering the world and you know just 
taken over. You know, I did an interview <laughs> with uh, Mikael Bridges. <laughs> he was great, bro. He was awesome. Talked about the resurgence um, of the Phoenix Suns. Talked about Chris Paul. Talked about Devin Booker and putting respect on Devin Booker's name. Um, and then how his season is going. So it was really good. But before we get to that, what's That's up? That's still a perceived thing within the within the Suns locker room. Like they really think that there's no respect on Devin Booker's name. Oh yeah, you could like do. you could feel that a little bit in the interview. Like a little bit of we're not getting there's the credit. a lot of chip on the Phoenix Suns' shoulders right now. I like now, that man. from I really the bubble. Like that. Because even from goes back to the bubble when people were like, oh, the Phoenix Suns don't belong here. Then they went eight straight. You know what I mean? Um, it's been a, it, they got a little, mm, they got a little All pep right. in their step right now. So um, it was good to talk to uh, Mikael Bridges. And um, before we get to that, though, it was a trade that happened. It was a trade that happened. Um, PJ Tucker is now a Milwaukee Buck. Um, got traded for some picks. Got traded for some piece, some little, some pieces and some players. Tory Craig was also in a separate deal. Is also going to the Phoenix Suns too. So, um, you know, what do you think about that trade? Do you think that uh, PJ Tucker on the Bucks? I think it's a great deal for the Bucks. Um, admittedly, I haven't watched PJ a lot this year just because I refuse to watch Houston. Like I can't watch that, so I haven't mm. seen PJ. Um, but if PJ is any version close to what he was last year for Houston in the bubble, I think it gives Milwaukee a lot of flexibility, um, you know, to, to, to play with different lineups size-wise. PJ showed over and over again that he can bang down there with fours, um, his ability to guard multiple positions, um, shoot the three, and just general edge and toughness, Logan, which is which is something that every team can't get enough of in good players, you know, not just guys that are going to run out there and and, and F you up in a playoff series. But guys who will do that and can be really productive as players, uh, that's important for teams trying to win championships. So I think it's a great deal for them. And to the point that you made before, and I'll let you elaborate, I think Torrey Craig's a great piece for the Suns. Great piece for the Suns. Uh, I want to get to P.J. Tucker first. I like this move because I think it's one of those things with P.J. He's gone through a lot over the last few months in Houston. His man's leaves, you know, James leaves. Um, he doesn't get the contract that he wants. Um, and so, you know, I, I can imagine that can affect your play. And he hasn't played the best this season, but as you know, Raja, when you get to a new place um, where there's a different motivation to win a title and you're back in that hunt again, I expect him to play really well uh, with this new team. And also, if he plays well, the versatility now that the Milwaukee Bucks have, you know, you could put – I know he doesn't necessarily – might not want to play center every night, he but needs- you can – he needs to. I know what you're going to say. Go say yeah. it. He needs yes. to. Yes, he needs to. And I think if he does in spurts, maybe not all game, but if he goes and gives you some great minutes at the center position, Milwaukee Bucks could be a factor. Not to say they're not already a factor, but it gives a different element when you can put him at the center position, get some other get some um, you know minutes that Giannis might not have to or other guys might not have to. I really like this trade for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I do too. And and you talked about, I think what's interesting is players um, from, from a fan's perspective. And we talk about this a lot. They're play, we're human, right? And so we're affected by things the same way anyone else would be. And so while it is our job to play and perform to the best of our ability, sometimes it's hard to compartmentalize and, and your situation or lack thereof in your mind can affect the way you go out there and, and play the game and, and can affect who you are as a pro. I'm not saying that this is what happened with PJ, but it does happen. Like there are situations like my first six or seven games when I was in traded from Phoenix to Charlotte, 
I was a shell of myself. Like I was emotionally spent. I wasn't happy about what had happened. Um, and my play, you know, um, depicted that. Like you could see it. Larry Brown would ask me what's, what's going on. And I'd, I'd tell him, coach, just stick with me, man. I'm going to be all right. It's, I don't know how long it's going to take me, but I think a new, a new scene, some new scenery, a new quest for a championship to your point is really going to light a fire under PJ. And if all of that doesn't, the fact that he ain't get that bread that he wanted, and now he's got an opportunity on a team that can really have lo- like legs in the playoffs should be enough to get the best out of PJ Tucker. Yeah. Also, when you talk about the bag, another thing that's really that's really important to getting the bag is one playing well, but also visibility. He's going to get a lot of visibility on this Bucks yes. team uh, if he just balls out in the postseason. Doesn't matter, honestly, if they win or lose. You would want to win that title, but if he balls out in the postseason, he's auditioning for all those other teams, and he could get a bag based on this alone. So big opportunity for PJ um, to get more bread and add to that shoe collection, bro. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, man. But I think it was a good, uh, a good trade to get to PJ to the Bucks. Also, for Tory Craig to be a multi-level defender, to um, I think he'll be great in that system. Um, you know, athletic guy. Um, I think he could be really, really good um, with the Suns team that you know I talked about with Mikel is on the rise, man. I don't think that they're a championship contender right now, but also. I didn't think that they were going to be a number two seed in the West. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But I really like this um, getting a guy like Torrey Craig to add to this growing nucleus, you know, that Monty Williams and Chris Paul and your guy uh, James Jones is trying Troops. to build right down there in Phoenix, man. I, I'm i liking what I'm seeing from Phoenix. You know, I was like all in on Phoenix to start the season, not necessarily go to number two seed, but I was all in uh, on what they had going. So I'm happy to see uh, what the Phoenix Suns are doing. Yeah, me too. Well, and we both were. You know, we both thought that Phoenix was going to be a really good. A really Bro, I good said team. that Devin Booker was going to be most improved, and there was no way he was going to get in. I just wanted him to get an award this season. You did say that. You know, I did not. I did not co-sign on that. By the way, just for for what I didn't co-sign on that. But I, I, I'm with you. I think James Jones and I've spoken about this before. I'll say it again. There was a period of time where the Suns, there was no vision. You couldn't tell what was what what the what the map looked like, like how they were trying to get from point A to point B. I think you see it now. It's starting to take shape. Chris Paul, um, you know, helped in that regard. And now you see them starting to add, you know, these pieces that are very complimentary. Um, both he and PJ Tucker going to Milwaukee are, are guys that uh, have some size where they can guard multiple positions. They're offensively flexible. Um, they, they can do different things and there's a level of toughness to them. So, any team that considers themselves in the mix to win a championship is looking for those type of pieces, right? Yeah. And so Torrey Craig fits that bill for the Suns. I think it's I think it's a great pickup. Trevor Reza also went to the Heat, and I think that that could be a uh, you know a piece just like that, right, Roger? Very nope, very similar type of piece, Logan. You're, when you're looking, when you've got a lot of pieces in place, the NBA is telling you what they value right now, right? Got flexible defenders, three and D guys, length on the wing. Those are premium type of players right now. He's going to be a big pickup for the Heat, too. For sure, man. And also on the other side of that, Myers Leonard, who we just talked about on this podcast, is going to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And from what I read, he's not going to play. I don't think he's going to be with the team. Um, I know he has a team option, I believe, on his deal. I don't know, man. It might be it might be tough for uh, for for Myers to get back in the league, man. And... I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm sorry about that, but again, something to look out for. Um, yeah, that. I mean, you kind of made your bed with that, and 
You know that. You know what it says to me, Logan, is that the Heat, their hands were tied by by something that I didn't fully understand, probably in terms of their response to that and the fine that was levied and whatnot. And so, you know, at the first chance to get off of them, you saw what they did, right? And I think, yeah. you know, that's the Heat that I knew. Remember, what I was talking about like I know people in that building. Like they're not, they're not with that. They're not going to be lenient with that if they don't have to be. So there was obviously, you know, they were hamstrung to some degree. But yeah, man, Myers, that's that's tough, bro. That's tough, man. And uh, we're going to get to the interview in a second. But one thing that I want to say, I've been watching the news recently, Raja, and I'm seeing a lot of um, violence towards our um, Asian Americans, partners and Asians already. You know, we've seen it for months now, even years now, but it kind of came to a head the other day um, when eight people got killed in Atlanta, including seven women. This is a problem that has that is built on lies, that is built on evil, that is built on cowardness, and it shouldn't have taken a murder to see what is going on and the violence that is happening towards this community. You know, it's gotten to the point in the Bay Area where I live where people are having to not only patrol this type of violence, but be of security to these people and escort our Asian American partners, elderly people around so they do not get harassed and attacked for something that they had nothing to do with. It's not cool. I can't say that I, I just don't rock with it at all. And I don't really know what to say as a solution for it, but I would say if you're going to purport yourself to be an ally, make sure that you see your friends. You speak for your friends and you protect your partners, not even your friends, but make sure you are protecting these people because it's elderly people. It's one thing to attack a person, but it's also one to another thing to attack an elderly person. And that is cowardly and people's lives are at stake right now. I don't know what else to say more, Raja, but I don't like it. And I hope it changes, man. I hope it changes. I'm with you. I'm with you 100 percent, Logan. It, it, it's some cowardice shit. People know right from wrong, bro. You could try to tell me you don't know why. Right. People know right from wrong. You stand up for the right and you condemn the wrong. If you see wrong taking place, you stand up to wrong. All right. And, you know, anybody out there that's practicing, you know, these types of beliefs, like shame on you. You need to have your ass whooped. I'm going to keep it a buck towards any, any segment of our community. Um, it's a cowardice act, dog. And, and, I don't have much more to say other than that. I think you hit the nail on the head. It needs, it needs to stop. And those who are standing around um, and can do something about it need to step up and do something because it's some cowardly shit. Yeah, man. Stop hate of all kinds. All kinds. But particularly right now, stop that Asian hate, man. Those are, they are Americans just like us and they are people just like us. So that's all I got to say on that, man. Here's an interview. Real ones. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for $5 chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. What's poppin', man? Ruins. Logan Murdoch here. We have um, Villa, a former Villanova star here. 
we have Phoenix Suns uh, forward, Mikel Bridges. What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Man, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm chilling, man. You guys are, you Phoenix Suns are doing well right now. You know, second in the Western Conference. Did you foresee this? If I were to tell you this um, maybe a year ago, hey, man, you guys are going to be second in the Western Conference uh, on the backstretch uh, back of next season. Would you, how would you feel if I were to tell you that? A year ago, I've been, I would have said we had a lot of work to do. Um, mm-hmm. I would say we're not there yet. And I really be like, I appreciate you trying to gas us up a little <laughs> bit, but I don't think we're there yet. But um, yeah, but a lot of, a lot of things changed in a year, man. Um, you know, new players, players getting better, coaching staff being with the team for another year. A lot, a lot has changed in a year and it's going the right direction. Yeah, a lot of people uh, point to uh, the the run you guys had in the bubble as a a turning point. And you, know, you talk about uh, CP3, you talk about uh, Jay Crowder. Those two guys have both credited your um, you know the resurgence of the Phoenix Suns and why they were interested in coming because of that run. What was that like um, trying to get into the postseason, falling short, but making an impression the way you guys did? How was that for you? It was good, man. I felt like a it felt like a tournament, you know. It felt like you was playing an NCAA tournament where even if you went eight no, it wasn't a hundred percent chance that we were going to the playoffs. It was still like like you like you saw like we went eight no, and there's, we still needed other things to depict our you know our future. So um, we just went out there and you know, we we all we all we could do is control our own destiny. So we, that means all we have to do is win our games and hopefully everything else falls our way. And, you know, you know, it is control what you could control. And, um, just each game took it, you know, one and oh, that game is still one and oh, just keep game by game. Um, it was dope though. It felt every win, you just keep get, you know, you keep getting close to that eight game mark. It's like one and oh, all right, one and oh, the game, two and oh, then all right, now you're like five and oh. It's like, okay, we went three more. It's like, yeah, like we do, we got a really got a shot. And once we won that last game, you know, we was all glued to that Portland, um, Brooklyn game. And then that's when Karis LeVert, man, he sent us, sent us back home. Yeah. Well, did you have any inkling that this was, this was going to happen going into the bubble? Because, you know, you, you end the season prematurely and then you have that month, the few month layoff. Did you sense that there was, you know, maybe some more camaraderie than you thought it was going to be? Did you sense that th- this was going to happen or this was going to, uh, was was it possible? Um, yeah, I think I think we knew we were uh, very, very hungry, especially when they gave us a chance to go to Bubble. You know, they how they depicted the games, how many games you got to be out from eight seed to make it. I just think how they just threw us in there. I think they just threw us in there just to throw us in there. Just for, okay, yeah, uh, the Suns, they made the cut. Okay, whatever, just throw them in there, whatever. So we took that, you know, we, we came together as a team. Like, they're going to put us here thinking we're just going to come in here and BS around. Like, we're going to come out here and we're going to go out there and play our hardest and hoop, you know? So obviously we went to the best way. We went eight and oh, you know, we all felt that way. We think we all grinded in the off season, that little off season we had when, uh, COVID mm-hmm. hit and we just always stayed ready. I mean, that's the greatest thing about our coaching staff and the players we had. We just were staying ready and they kept us ready just in case things like that happened. Like me, for example, I didn't think there was no chance we was going to play again when it first happened. Well, I think we were like, mm-hmm. once they said they're going to bubble, I was like, all right, like 
we have no shot. And once time kept going on, I kept talking about it. I kept talking about coaches like, there's a shot. So I'm like, oh yeah, we really got to continue to lock in as we're working out here in Phoenix. So, um, just stay with it. And then we got that shot and just kept going. Did you, did y'all feel some type of way, even for that perception of like, oh man, Phoenix Suns are just a, they were just to add on to this. They, it doesn't really matter that they're in. Did you, did y'all feed off of that? Did y'all, did y'all hear that noise? And did you guys say, nah, y'all got us messed up. We got something to play for. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, me personally, as a person, I'm not, I'm not like that where like outside stuff affects me, makes me play harder or like things like that. But in general, as a team, yeah, man, like, you know, obviously how they felt was obviously disrespectful. And, you know, coach, coach didn't like it neither. And we, he was getting us ready, knowing like wasn't really to prove them, but it was just to prove us, you know, how good we are. You know, we had some uh, injuries, some other mishaps in the season, you know, that kind of pushed us back. So, we finally had like our full team minus Kelly and we were all feeling confident, you know, and we all felt ready. And we just came out there with that dog knowing that it was, it was really win or lose, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was win or lose. And, and how are you going to approach it? You know, when times get tough, you know, it's the true character shows and, and what type of person you're going to be, type of player you're going to be. And, you know, we came out there and, you know, obviously some teams didn't have a full team, but, other teams like, you know, Clippers and stuff. And it's easy to lose games, man, when everybody's not, you know, other teams not playing their players. You can easily relax, you know, even if you, yeah. even if you need every single game, like you get, there's a tendency to, to relax. And we did that a couple of times in the beginning of the games where we feel like, oh, that team's not powerful enough. They don't have their best player. They're resting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but then we pick it up at the end, of course. But yeah, man, it was. We definitely out there proving a point, especially for ourselves. We got there and won every game. What was it like going into this season, right? Where um, you know you, the trade for Chris Paul happens, and you know, at least from my point of view, and a lot of stuff that I've read, it was like, okay, Chris Paul is going to help uh, mold these guys into a postseason team, right? He's going to help mold these guys and um, get them to a point. I don't know if second in the West was at least on my mind in terms of Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, performance, but did you, was there something that you felt prior to the season that, you know, or saw that no one else really saw with, with CP coming in? Did you see that, oh, we have a chance to not just be a six seed, but be a top three seed going into the postseason potentially? Um, yeah, man, I just, you know, uh, the guys, you know, we, we lost with Kelly and, and Ricky and Ty Jerome and stuff like that. Like, you know, those, I love them all, man. So, um, nothing with them, but with them, with, uh, Jay and CP coming in two, just two vets, man. They know what they're doing. They want to win and kind of being in that gym, uh, looking around, looking at the faces we got, knowing who's been, knowing who's been in the gym, you know, this all season who's ready. I was just confident and everybody kept asking me before the season even started. What's the goal for your sons? What's the goal? What's the goal? And I guess they, I know the sons haven't made the playoffs in a long time. I guess they were waiting with my sponsors to be, you know, make the playoffs, you know, this and that. But like, as a competitor, as a person who wants to win, I'm not going to short myself as saying just, yeah, just, I see playoffs. Like what type of person is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, imagine you being a teammate or being a coach and your players like, oh yeah, like playoffs. Like, seems like you're just, you're okay. You're just okay with that. You know, you know, I told them that I feel like, 
we have a chance, you know, my, my, my main goal is to be the last team standing, which is to win the whole thing. And you could tell mm. the media people was kind of like looking at me all crazy. I'm like, what do you want me to like? What do you like? Yeah. Like, like okay. Like I'm a competitor, man. I want to, I feel like we have the right pieces and we, we the thing is we haven't played a game yet. So this is all yeah. me and looking at the guys around and the meetings we had and how I feel about the players and how badly they want it and how players I I know like working out with Cam, Cam Johnson and people throughout the whole all season knowing how much better he got, how much better I got and just know that we were ready. And, you know, I, st- I stick with that. And now obviously, as you see now that we're, we're playing really well, but, you know, we still got long, long ways to go and you got to keep, you know, keep going at it, man. Just every day, just keep getting better. What what is it like playing with CP? How is it? What is like to play with him as a vet? Did he set the tone um, when he comes into the room? What is it different? How is it different when he is in a room with you guys? He's just been around so long. He knows he knows so much, man. He just you. It's always so you learn something new, like almost every day. Especially when you first season first started training camp or anything. I was learning something new every single day. Like every single day, like I learned something new from him. He's just so smart, so so talented, so good. What's the biggest thing he's taught you? I don't think there's. I'm trying to think. I, I, people always ask me that. I don't think there's never just like a one major thing. It's just always little things. Just how to read it. We read defense when you're guarding this player. How he communicates, trying to get you to communicate at a high level, like how he does. And you know, I tell him like I I guard a lot. I'd be tired sometimes, you know. And he'd be like, and he'd tell me how like. He used to, you know, he'd been on defensive teams and he said, I know it's tough. Like I've been in the same position, guarding best player, ball screens, all that stuff. And you just got to find your way, stuff like that. And mm-hmm. just help me offensively when to be aggressive and when, you know, when to find them. And, and when he finds me, when to move, when to cut, like all that stuff. We just, just playing off each other, man. Just learn so much. He watched so much basketball. He tells you so much about the opponent and their schemes and what they run and, what this player likes to do was he likes to go left, likes to go right. Like he already telling you what he's about to do before we even have the scout with our coaches. Mm. So he gets you kind of really mentally locked in before the game even starts, before we even know our, our opponent yet. So yeah, he, I think he, he just, he t- like I said, he just taught me a lot, man. It's, is he one of those guys that, um, you know, when is he one of those guys that like LeBron or, or Draymond that like calls out defensive sets or calls out offensive sets before they happen? Does he already know what another team is doing before they do it? Is he is he that locked in when you when you uh, play alongside him? Yeah, for sure. Especially if I get if sometimes if I'm zoned in, locked in, like if I'm guarding, like I, I'm like mm-hmm. I just I kind of I know the play as well. Sometimes if I could just they keep running and we go over it, I would know it as well what's about to come. But sometimes if I'm like. If I'm off the court or maybe I'm off ball and I'm not as locked in on ball and like getting ready for a screen or something, I can hear him yelling like, watch the, you know, watch the hand back, watch this, watch they're about to, it's coming for him, it's coming for him. And he always tells us, he always tells us, you look at a lineup and he's like, who do you think they're about to go to this, this whole three minutes right now? If, if he's out and he's in, who do you think they're about to go to? And it's like, just realize yeah. little things like that and baseline out of bounds or in it. Or um, when they draw up plays right after ATOs, right after a timeout, like who you think they're going to run these plays for? You got to be locked in for little things like that. And um, say so just 
But yeah, he's definitely like that. He definitely knows people plays and knowing their schemes and everything. Yeah, I I I do see a a big change in the Phoenix Suns overall. I know you got traded in twenty, uh, not traded, uh, drafted in twenty eighteen, and um, was it frustrating at all to see? You know, you know the change that's going on in Phoenix, but I don't think everybody else necessarily did, right? Nobody, you're, we're not in a building with you. Was it kind of frustrating to see, yo, we're doing good and we're making strides to be a winning team, and you guys still kind of get the, oh, it's just the Phoenix Suns when they come to town. Oh, it's just, um, you know, that's the, you probably weren't getting the respect you felt you deserved by what you were seeing um, in that building. Did you feel that at all? Like, man, we're doing, we're making strides to be good, but I don't think anyone sees it. Yeah, for sure. Especially my last two years, obviously you could, you could tell how players come in and how teams come out, you know, they don't respect us at all. And obviously, yeah, you don't feel disrespected and things like that, but in a day, you know, I don't really care about that. You just got there. You just play hard, man, play your way. If, uh, I know now that's not that feeling. I know teams come there like, no, if they don't play their game, don't play their way, you know, they will get beat. And, and I feel like how, how well we play, how really like the players we have, how coachable we are, how, how really good our coaches are is if you don't play hard and really play your way, you, you won't just lose. Like you, you like, we will, we will really go at you and we will, like, it's not run a score, but we will, we'll, we're not going to stop until the game is over. You know, we have the starters that's like that. We have the bench that comes in like that. Everybody's ready. I feel like the biggest thing about us, we play the right way the whole time. You know, sometimes we have some mishaps, but you know, that's just, that's just how it is. You know, human nature to sometimes feel like I want to get the shot up, but any day come back down to reality is like, all right, I could have swung one more. I'm going to know that next time I was just thirsty for maybe for one or something like that. That's how I feel, man. Just, and I feel like teams want to beat us now, especially that first half of the season. And like I said, you know, I love, I'm used to, get, I'm, I'm going to keep bringing up Kyle's. That was the last time I really was winning. And I'm, I'm used to getting, I'm used to getting everybody's best. And some teams that don't play well, you know, that if you're watching the film, that they're going to play way better than what you're watching now. So you got to be ready and you can't relax. The teams, especially in this league, you will get beat. There's a lot of good teams, a lot of good teams that might not have that good of a record, but if you really, really relaxed, you will, you will get beat bad. And yeah, yeah trust me, I know. <laughs> uh, you you brought up college a little bit, but you you a Philly area dude went to Villanova, and I remember watching the 2018 draft, and you got selected by the Sixers. Your mom works for the Sixers. Well, and then gets tra- get traded to uh, Phoenix. What was the range of motions of a range of motions like on draft night to where I, I'm getting I'm, I'm a Philly dude, man. I went to school here. Moms is here. Moms is juiced. It was really a moment then. And then you get traded. Can you walk me through the feelings of that night for you? Hey, man, there's a, high, a lot of highs and lows. It's I, and I always I always beat myself up on it where like. You dream for that moment your whole life to get drafted, not know, not knowing where you're going or anywhere you go. You know, you just want to get drafted. You know, as a kid, sometimes mm-hmm. you like, oh, I want to go to this team. I want to go to this team. But like at the end of the day, you know, as a dream, you want to play for the NBA. Yeah, getting drafted and the percentage of people going, a lot of people don't get drafted. A lot of people don't get drafted lottery, even top 10 to be exact. And I was one of those guys. I didn't think I was going to be as a kid, like I'm going to be top 10 pick or I know I just want to be in the NBA. And so being, 
very grateful of, of getting picked that high for all the work I put in. And then where that happens, where I'm really excited to go to Philly and I get traded and then my emotions change, you know, like what happened? How did, how did that happen though? Like, so you're getting, you're, you're, cause I'm assuming you were a Sixers fan growing up, right? Like Philly is real lit when it comes to their teams. Um, what was the, so you, what is the range of emotion? You get picked by the Sixers. It seems like a Cinderella story because your mom works there. Does she still work there right away? No, no. Oh, she did, but no. she don't work now. She don't, she hasn't been working there for years now. Okay, okay. So she doesn't work. She used to work there, and then um, you you get drafted by them. How does how, what do we what don't we see in that? Like you get drafted, and what is the call like? What happens? How does this work out? What how do you get from? Potentially Philly to I'm getting traded and I'm gonna go to Arizona. What what was what t- walk me through that? So I get drafted, go to Adam Silver, take my picture, then get a little interview. Right, right when I walk down, and then I got the Philly hat on. I go to the press conference. There's all the Philly media, everybody. I knew about everybody in there because they all at Nova games and all that. I'm been in press conferences with them all out. I could I know them by name. Like I can see them. I, I know them by face. I'm like. My guy, like I was sitting there asking me a question, you know, how's it feel? I mean, I'm really excited. So just geeked up out of my mind right after that. Then I walk out and then people that were taking me, you know, to go get the pictures, do media and stuff. They told me like to hold on for a second. And I could kind of see them like huddle up talking a little bit because I guess somebody's telling something through the phone or whatever. And I, I'm like, what's happening or whatever. And I could hear them kind of talking, talking. And all I could hear out their voices like trade. That's all I kind of heard when I was like trying to listen. And I heard trade, and I'm like, all right. Like then I'm like, I really bunch. I'm like, all right, what happened? Like what's happening? Like, like come on. And they're like, I think you you just got traded to the Phoenix Suns. I'm just like, Suns. I'm like, bro. Like I never talked to them. I never had a workout with them. I never said a word to them. I'm like why? Why in the hell Phoenix though? I'm like, so random, yeah. you know. So now I'm just like, I don't have my phone on me because I left it at the table. So then I just asked for one of their phones just to call my mom to see if she knows. And she, I guess they've been new and she was just trying to look out like, how am I feeling? I'm like, I'm good. Like, how are you? She's like, I'm good. Just checking on you. I'm like, I bet. So mom's already knew. Mom's already knew that this happened. Yeah, they already knew at the table. They saw it because I guess it happened right after I got drafted. So that went down. Now I'm like kind of frustrated just because the whole like, getting traded from home. Then I'm going through pictures and all that stuff, doing all, again, all these, all these reporters, all these stuff, every single question. How's it feel to get traded from me? How's it feel to get traded from How's it feel? Like this? So now you're just like trying to throw it in my face. I really like keep pressure. Like you already know, like I wanted to be home. Now you just like, you want to get a reaction out of me. Like you really want mm-hmm. me to. And I was just, I've been, I've been raised the right way, going to school, just knowing how to handle yourself. And just how to answer. Obviously, I was steaming aside, but I ain't gonna let them see that. So obviously, I was just responding. You know, just it's just the business of the NBA. You know, things happen. But she was hurting though. But she was hurting though. You had to. Did you have? Did you have like the? Did you already have the visualizations of like what the Sixers jersey was gonna look like? You know, all, all, all your partners that's gonna be playing. I was, tra- at the I was trying to live. I knew exactly what I was trying to live. <laughs> like, man, that was that was no one team I wanted to go to. So I was ready. I knew mm-hmm. I was gonna live at. This and that, I was already ready. But yeah, man, I just had to fight that and not get a reaction that they wanted. And I just, you know, just said, you know, it's part of business and 
decided to go to Phoenix, stuff like that. How did moms feel though? She she's a, she works for the team HR. How does she how does she feel when like you know her baby boy was about to be a coworker and now she's not? How how was that for you? Yes, yeah, I mean, how she, was that for her? Yeah, she was hurt for sure. But once she knew the whole thing about Phoenix and now it's another great opportunity, great city. And at the end of the day, I still got drafted 10. Like, it's like, you know, it was a great day. So, like, she was over it as fast as I was. Then once you got to Phoenix and know what they gave up for you, it's like, all right, they really want you here. They're really trying to change the culture here. So then I was after that, that I was cool with it and stuff. But, yeah, that first, yeah. that time there, man, it was, it was, it was tough. And I got to, you got to fake smile and stuff, trying to, like, not be frustrated. You really got to smile and and see that you're really happy. And it was, it was tough, man. Like, like, like I said, I, I got on myself on it for a while with that. Like, I just felt like there's no way I should feel like this. You know, like I get, yeah. like, I didn't go to Philly and I got traded, but like at the end of the day, I got drafted top 10. Like, this is your dream. Like, why are you mad? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you think, like, if you look at other people, people like, I would love to be drafted 10. Like you were like, I, I would like, you know, I love to be drafted. Yeah. I don't give a damn where I go. I don't care if I got drafted by Philly and get traded a second or something like that. At least I'm in the league and at least I got drafted 10 to a great spot that wanted you. So I, I, I yeah. struggled with that for a little bit, just saying like. Was that night rough for you then? Because you're happy, but you're also like, That's damn. what I'm saying, yeah. And Is that it, how you felt? Like it just, uh, For sure. And it took it took me, like I said, I went down to Phoenix, met everybody, and I was, I was good and stuff. And it, just, it took me some days to really like, Tell myself like there's no reason you should you've been upset, but that's just this is human nature. You get it's control. You can't sometimes can't control your feelings, man. It's just it was just I guess it was yeah. too uh, perfect. Where it looked like it was going right to my right to my hands. All right, bro. I'm gonna need you to keep it a stack. So is 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 Philly one of those teams you circle now because of that night? Is that a team that you're just like one because it's home, but also because of how that played out? Do you circle that team like, okay, I'm about to lock all the way in during before this game? Uh, nah, not really. It's just like, nah, I don't, I don't, not really, not now. It really was when we first played them, like my rookie year, especially when I went home. Mm-hmm. I feel like I had something to prove, especially I think the, when we played them in November for the first time at Philly, it was actually my first game started too. So it was like, it was like a, it was really like it was like a, it was like a movie for real. It was like he get traded yeah, yeah, yeah. home and his first ever career start is in Philly. Like, what is he going to do? Are they going to win? You know what I'm saying? So like it was mm-hmm. like a movie for real. But yeah, did but you ball out? Did you ball out that night? I started off with a quick five. And I got a quick five, like quick hit three, got a steal dunk. Poof, like feeling hot early, early like early. And I get two fouls, <laughs> get out, two quick, two quick fouls, come back in. I think I might have finished maybe like 14 or something like that, but I would I feel like I would have played even more, like even like way better if I get in those two them foul trouble. Cause I yeah. limited me. I was high. I was I felt good right when I came out that day. Yeah. How many people was in the stands? How many, how many tickets you get? A lot. How many tickets just a, lot. Get no, okay. a lot. <laughs> um, all right, let's take a quick break. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. So I think with this uh, this year, just been a full maturation of your game. Obviously, you know, you I know you hate the label of 3 and D guy, and uh, but it seems like you've expanded above, I mean, beyond that um, with your defense and scoring. How do you do that under, you know, this quick turnaround of a season, right, where you are in a in, a, in the bubble and then you have – it's it's a way quick offseason, a very unusual offseason. How did how did that help you or did that did that hurt you? How did that – how were you able to expand your game during that time? Oh, I mean, it helped me a lot. I mean, the, I think the bubble really helped where I was playing well and it it – Got my confidence up for next year and know what type of player I could be ne- that the next year coming up. So just it keep expanding, keep working on my game throughout that offseason coming up to this year. And then you had pieces like Jay and, and CP that's coming in there. Um, uh, I, I felt like I was, I was ready. You know, it's, it's just being in the gym a lot, man. I felt I was really ready. Um, pretty good training camp. I just felt like I was ready to go. Just, be, just biggest thing I just tell myself to just be confident and, and stay aggressive. Uh, you know, you you got ball ball dominant point guard and unbelievable shooting guard. You know, it's it's gonna be tough to get up shots. You know what I'm saying? It's not gonna. They have the ball in their hands a lot. Just always, just even if you don't get that many shots, maybe in the first quarter or even a second quarter, just have that mindset to stay ready. You know, there's two more quarters. Like, don't mm-hmm. drought on it. I mean, I, this year I had some maybe shoot the ball a couple times the first half, and maybe had like five in the first half. And then finish with like 20 just because my mindset's like, all right, you know, you didn't get that many shots, but just, just wait, just stay ready, stay being aggressive, stay confident and just be ready next, next possession every time. And I just, once you have that mindset, uh, it'll, it'll be a little bit easier for you. So you were talk, uh, you really came of age in the bubble, but one of the things that we really got to see over the, not just the bubble, but during this season is how great you are as a defender. Um, I'm going I'm to put you on the spot here, man. Who are your top five def- uh, defensive assignments in the league right now? Who do you, who keeps you up at night to where you're like, I got to lock in and I got to ball out the night before I play this dude? Like, how, who are those five guys that you're like, okay? Sheesh. Oh, man. All right, let's see, let's see, let's see. God, really, I mean, it's so many, man. There's like, Five is just so crazy. Man, you got to give me five, man. Come on, man. I got to get five on this one. I guess you can always throw Harden in there, but it was tougher when he was in Houston because you played him three times a year. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Mm-hmm. They're yeah. in the West, so you really, you know, you you about to play. You played them twice now. But I guess you mm-hmm. could throw them hard, but I feel like, especially Dane, you know, you got how the, how the games go. You got to really lock in and how I'm guarding him. Uh, Luca, for sure, every time I play him. Now it's really becoming like B.I. He's really, it's really, I'm sorry, I learned to guard him better just because how I use my lift on other players affects them, but you can't really use your length on him because I remember just guarding him and sometimes like I'll try to use my length and I'm there, like my hand's here, but then his hand's up here. I'm like, damn, like he just, I thought I would made it tough, but he's he's long, his arm's long, so he just go lay the ball up or shoot right over. So just doing that. I feel like every time, always Kawhi or PG, whoever's guarding. But I think I I guard Kawhi more. So your five would be like, what is it? Is it, is it? It's Harden, yeah, Dame, Kawhi. Who else? Who am I missing? Who am B. I missing? B.I. B.I. and uh, what, PG? You say Luka? Luka and Luka. Luka. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the guys I really, really guard the most. Because Brian, I don't really, I guard him a little bit, but that's not like my main matchup. Oh well, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, like Steph, but I only I only play Steph. Is it weird when you're guarding guys that you probably have you know seen growing up for the first time? Like you talked about Bron, I know you get like maybe just switched on him, but um, you've seen him growing up. At what point do you take away all the? At what point are you like, oh man, I've seen this guy growing up on TV my whole life too. Oh, I'm just playing against Braun right now. What what is that like? What is those emotions like? Not just Braun, but all these other players that you've seen watched growing up. Uh, I think I think all that all that went away after my rookie year. After you find me league and you're out there and you're really standing next to them and guarding them or playing with them, then you're like, oh damn, like that's. But once you play them multiple times, and that was my third year in, and now it's bigger than just them. It's about winning. It's like. Now we just you just know how great of a player he is and what we have to do to stop him to win the game. You know, it's yeah. now it's now more like that's Bron. Like, oh my god, like you know what I'm saying. Like that's how I used to watch growing up. But now it's more the fact that we trying to win and we trying to do some, we trying to do some big and we got lock in on how great of a player he is and what's the match. What's the What's the uh, scout to to beat them? You know, what's the game plan to beat the Lakers? You know, so um, mm-hmm. but yeah, my rookie year though, oh my gosh, it was you were starstruck your rookie year yeah, a little bit, yeah, was, yeah, was, yeah for sure. <laughs> my year what was the person you was most starstruck about? Like, damn, I, I'm playing against homie tonight. I'm playing against them tonight. Like, what, what was your first starstruck moment? What, what was the most starstruck moment? And then the first starstruck moment. I think it was definitely Bron, uh, KD. And, and oh, you got a bit of the, the the last bit of the KD Warriors, didn't you? Yeah, that was your rookie year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, but yeah, KD, KD and Brown for sure. And then Dame, like Dame's one of my favorite players ever when I was in high school and college. So I always like always loved Dame. And then now, low key, like guys that being a Philly fan, being a Sixers fan, like seeing Drew Holiday out there, I'm like, yo, like I used to love Drew, man, like. Big, like, love, like, big Drew, like, 11, like, Drew Holiday, man. I remember going to the games and seeing courtside on stuff, seeing guys yeah. like him. And then another one that's really low-key is that Young. Like, I see, I was playing that Young. And oh, I wow. I was in, you know, Philly, we loved him. And I remember I was just sitting there, like, on a free throw line. But, like, I'm like, bro, like, 
Like I used to, I used to be a big fan when I was a kid. I used to go to the games. He was like, they ain't make me feel old. I'm like, I didn't mean to, but you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about Devin Booker a little bit. I remember the first time where I I've, I saw De- Devin Booker play live was actually at UCLA when at the runs in the summertime. And, you know, it's one thing to see him on television, but it's another thing to see him in person and also in a pickup setting. He was so good. He was balling against guys that, that at least the outside perspective thinks, you know, are better than Devin Booker, but he was just eating their lunch. And I don't know if he gets the respect that he deserves right now. Um, what is it like playing with him? And what are what is the uh, what is the national media and the national scale of people missing on Devin Booker that they need to know right now of how good he is? Um, yeah, man. I mean, I love playing with Book. Uh, grateful to be you know real close with him. When I got there, it. I knew how talented he was scoring the ball. But obviously, when you see it in person, like, oh, he could really, really score the ball. And then what threw me off was that he could really, he could pass really well. He's a good playmaker. Like, that threw me, I didn't know that he could pass like he can until I got there. So that always threw me off. But yeah, I mean, obviously, like, he gets disrespect sometimes, but I think he knows that we all know in our, in our family, in our organization, he's, he's most praised. So, I think we, they could have, they could say whatever they want. You know, I don't think it affects them at all, but at least he knows that we need him and he's, how much we appreciate him for him being himself and, you know, everything on off the court. So I guess I really don't care what they say, but I know how tough he is and, and great of a duty is as well. Did it annoy you guys as a team? I know he, last year he got, um, you know, in the last minute got the all-star pick, but, was it, did it annoy you guys that, hey, man, like this dude is balling. Why is that not, like, why aren't people seeing this? Like, we see this every day. He's putting up points. He's killing. He's talking shit. <laughs> but what was it like to, um, you know, was that annoying when you don't see a guy that you know is really, really good not get his due? I know you say, like, we don't care about the outside noise, but come on, man. Like, every this is a validation business. Do you feel, do y'all all feel collectively a uh, chip on your shoulder when he doesn't, get the admirations you think he deserves. Um yeah, especially especially if you feel like somebody deserves it, then that's when you feel like, all right, like now you're just especially like last year, I guess you wanna say what wins and stuff, if you want to do with winning, but you gotta see what he's doing out there to help our team out and everything like that. And then this year when they say he's not one like this year they're saying, well, we need him to score, but now we need need him to win to be an all star. And now he does it both. And now he does both. And now you still don't give it to him. Now it's like, all right, so what's really, what really is it is? Like, you just, now he's just saying he's just giving up an excuse. Like, oh, well, he will be an all-star if he would have, if he would win games. But okay, when all-star break came up, we was two in the West. So like, ain't putting up numbers. So what are you, what are you really saying now? You just, mm-hmm. talk, you know, you just, excuse my language, but talking out your ass just to say something, just to, you know, just to say it, just that's like an excuse or like what? So that's why I feel yeah. like when you really, if you're going to, if you're not going to be 100, if you're not going to be 100, then don't make up no BS. And then when it does happen to, you know, just still don't do nothing about it. So just be 100%. You're going to be one. Just be 100. If you don't think he this and that, then just say it. But if you want to keep putting up excuses, and then when he does what you say he should do, it'll get him to it. And he, he, and y'all don't put him there. Then it's like, what is y'all on for real? 
Yeah, I, I heard that. What do you, um, I know you guys, you're a Philly kid. Um, Book was really tight with, uh, with Kobe. What was that like the night that you guys found out the news that he passed? What was it? Was that tough on both of you guys? What, how was it for Book and how was it for you? I know it was really, I know it was really tough on Book because how close he was. Um, you know, I felt bad, but also just tough on me just because who he was as a player and icon as a person and just knowing so much about him, you know, it hurt just for, just for the bas for the basketball world and for everybody else, you know, people, People love Kobe. It's not just that he liked him. It was really like people admired him. He's the reason why a lot of people played basketball. He's like why kids and people started to play the game because of him. Um, but it was an emotional day, emotional night. Um, where were you guys at? Where were you guys at when it, Memphis? Well, what, what, who, who broke the news? What happened? Like how, well, paint a picture for me. Uh, I just, I woke, I was taking my pregame nap and I woke up from texts, like from like all my friends and family, like, yo, Kobe passed away, like this and that. I'm like, right when I woke up, I'm like, see all my phone going off. And I'm like, usually I put my phone down as a service so nobody wakes me up, but I don't wake up from all these text messages from nobody. I just, it usually be my mom or somebody. My mom just getting out of work calling me to see what I'm doing, but not knowing that I'm sleeping. Yeah. So I just put on doing a service so she won't wake me up. So I'm just like, see all these texts from all these people. I'm just like in shock. And I started reading more about it and then all the things, just being upset. And then, just thinking about his family, I think that's what really hurt me the most. Just, I know we're going through, you know, a lot as being a fan, appreciate him for all he does, but, you know, he has a family and what, you know, he's a husband, he's a father and just what they got to go through even to this day. So I was really, when I heard out the news, I was upset about, you know, thinking about all that as well. Did you meet him? Yeah, I met him in uh Nike camp. Going to my senior year, so the summer of 2017, we met him. He talked to us at the camp and stuff. Mm, how was that? Was he cool? Yeah, it was dope. Everybody was trying to guess who it was. It was. I remember I was next to Grayson Allen, and he was kept saying, like, it's Kobe. I'm telling you, it's going to be Kobe, because they're saying it's a guest speaker. I'm like, no, it's mm. not, bro. Like, no, it's not. They they do things like this to get us all hyped up, thinking it's going to be somebody like Kobe, but then it's not. Then we're going to get our feelings hurt. And then it was, and I remember Grayson was like, told you, told you. And everybody was all hyped with their phones on and everything. He was just talking to us. What was, what was something that he said during that time that, that stuck with you? Um, honestly, I don't know. I was, so, I was starstruck. I was sitting there just like, <laughs> so, so. tapping tap my boys uh, next to me like, yo, that's really cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't really like yeah. what he was saying for real. I was just like, just like, just like looking like, yo, like that's really cool right there. Came in, I think he came, came in. Uh, sunglasses, all that. I was like, oh, that's, I mean, that's dope. <laughs> that's dope. <laughs> for sure, man. So, um, what's the next step for you guys in, in Phoenix, man? Because I know you guys have, um, you know, you you are, you have taken the next step of being, you know, relevant team in the second in the West. Um, but what what is the next step for you guys? Obviously, a title's in the way, but what do you guys have to do to get to that point um, to be in legitimate title contention, not just this year, but for years to come? Um, just get better, man. Just get better every day. Control things as much as you can, especially with this COVID going on. Just trying to, you know, you got to do the protocols, do the right things. Uh, obviously, you know, can't control injuries sometimes, but taking care of your body, doing everything in your power to prevent injuries. And just, like I said, just keep going to work, you know, never being too satisfied. Coach Monty always says, don't get too happy on the farm. 
Um, she got coming every day and, you know, one game at a time for real and just, and just lock in every day. And, you know, we're going to get teams best. And that's what we want. We got to go out there and, and dominate today. Yeah. And uh, before we get out of here, we have this segment, Mikhail, called Real One of the Week, where we shout out an entity, a, a person, or somebody that won the week for for me and you. So I'm going to let you think on it real quick, but I'm, I'm going to go first. And I'm going to shout out um, Oakland legend Dame Lillard for 50 points um, against the Pelicans, balling out. They putting some respect on his name now. So my real one of the week is Dame Lillard. And uh, so who is your real one of the week? I'm putting you on the spot right now. Damn. I'm going to say Dame. Shit, man. Yeah, you're lucky you get that one. That was just yesterday. Like, you lucky, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was looking, man. I was looking. I was like, dang, man, come on, man. That's an easy one. Yeah, dang. Also, if you want, we could just do, we could just have Dame being our, 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 yeah, we'll just do Dame because I really rock with Dame. That's Dame my Cole, guy. Yeah. That's my guy. I love Dame. That 50 ball, <laughs> right, 20 man. shots, too. Don't, the 20 shots tough, too. Oh, 20 shots, man. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> for sure, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time with us, man. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see you soon. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's see, we'll see you soon. Thanks so much for coming on, bro. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, bro. That was a dope interview, man. We back. Uh, but before we dip for good, first off, I want to say, um, make sure you check out all our other uh, other pods. Check out R2C2 with who? Roger Bell. Baleo legend, CC Sabathia. <laughs> make sure you check out uh, Black Girl Songbook with uh, Danielle Smith. Make sure you check out the Ringer Music Show with Charles Holmes. Make sure you check out Group Chat. Make sure you check out The Mismatch. Make sure you check out The Answer. But before we get out of here, Raja has a special real one of the week. Who is your real one of the week, bro? Um, this one, this one's a little sad. It's near and dear to my heart um, in the jazz community. Um, my real one of the week is, is Doug Burrell. Um, Doug mm. Burrell was a massage therapist with the Utah Jazz. Um, I can say this and and it's not hyperbolic. He, he might be the best person I ever met in NBA circles, just a genuine human being um, with true love for his family, uh, a true shoulder to kind of, you know, lean on. Uh, always great words of wisdom from a really kind soul, kept it even, always a buck, great perspective, helped a lot of people, not just me, see things, you know, they wouldn't ordinarily have seen looking at it through their prism. Um, a great dude, a uh, great family. Um, passed away last weekend uh, after a battle uh, with an illness and he will be missed certainly in my household. He got to know my wife. My wife got to know him as well. The jazz community has lost a true real one. Um, and I'm just, you know, prayers for his family, his daughters and his wife, uh, Doug Burrell, Dougie Fresh, AKA Dougie Fresh, real one. All right, man, rest in peace, man. We will see you guys next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.